The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Kelly Sullivan Walden, a.k.a. Dr. Dream. So grateful to be here on Unity Online Radio. And the number to call if you have a question about your dreams or about the girl with the blue ukulele, the number is 816 816- Two five one three five five five. Again, eight one six two five one three five five five. At the second half of the show, it actually at any point today because it's just me and you today. You can call in with any questions or thoughts, really ranging from your personal dreams or anything that relates to us finding the girl with the blue ukulele. This is episode three of searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. I've been told I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's not ukulele, it's ukulele. It's just hard to say that. (laughs) It's just my brain wants to say uke, but it's really ukulele. Okay. So today I, I want to just, if you're, if you're joining me for the first time and you're just hearing about the girl with the blue ukulele, We're talking about Tess Lerner, who went missing nine years ago from my neighborhood. I live in Topanga, California, and there's a lot of people that go missing. There's thousands of them um, that go missing on their own accord. And so this isn't a rare phenomenon, but it's rare for me in my life. And, And my perspective is... On this show, I like to bring in solutions. I like to bring in psychics and healers. And I thought, why not focus everyone on helping somebody who is in need? And that would be my neighbor. So now she's your neighbor too, virtually speaking. Sharon Lerner, Sharon Barry actually is her her, um, name. She's been remarried since she was married to Tess's dad. And she's the one who is that we're rooting for here. She's just, you know, aching and we, let's just said, send lots of light to her heart and, and to Tess's heart. And today on the show, we're going to be talking, I'm going to be sharing actually a special interview I did with the detective that last went on record as being in touch with Tess. This was about eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. So before we do that, let me just settle us into a little prayer, a little, just a, let's just take a breath and release and let go of all that you've been plugged into up until now, whatever that dream has been, release it and let it go. Let yourself come into the beauty and the blessing of this present moment, recognizing that beyond all of the phenomena, beyond all of 
the Olympics going on in real time and uh, aside from all of the contagion and all the fear and worry about the the coronavirus, the Delta variant and all of that, let's just come into that place where we are inoculated. Let's come into that place of peacefulness and calm where all of our needs are met, where we're connected to the love and the heart and the soul of this universe, where solutions reside that we never thought or never could have imagined, where we can connect with our dreams and our dreaming mind to think outside the box, not just in a woo-woo, airy-fairy way, but in a way that provides practical results that gives us actual grounding in our waking lives more powerfully than we could ever ever do otherwise. So with this, I just thank you all for your kind listening and for your generous prayers that go out to Tess, who goes now by Satya, and as well as her mother, Sharon, and everyone that is connected to the Learner family, and to any of you who have a lost one in your life, if you are struggling with someone in your family, in your personal life, who, even if you've been ghosted in a relationship and you don't know where somebody went, you were dating and everything was going great, or it's like, or you just had a falling out with someone and there's just that deep, deep pain of missing someone. This is for you. Also, I want to add, there's that missing girl in all of us, whether you're a man or a woman, there's some part of all of us. We could say it's the, maybe the, the part that is extra sensitive, the part that we don't know how to fit into this world. So we might've just shoved her off, sent her to Siberia, but we need all parts of ourselves. So let's call on all of those aspects. So this isn't just about one missing woman. This is about all of us becoming more integrated in ourselves. So with this, I say, thank you. Thy will be done for the highest good of all. And so it is. Amen. All women are dreams. So I'm going to read today's luminous humanist thought for the day. This is for August 4th. And I want to do a shout out to Justin Walden. It's his birthday today. Um, my stepson, my husband's son. And today, the name of the luminous humanist reading is called Human Son. So this is a little dedication to Justin. Give yourself permission to beam just a few notches brighter, inviting your aliveness, vitality, and spirit to peek out from behind the clouds and shine just a tiny bit more than normal. Soon as you do this, you'll wake up and it will be natural, effortless, and comfortable to radiate like the human sun that you are. Affirmation. It's my true nature to be the light that lights up this world. One more time, the affirmation is, it is my true nature to be the light that lights up this world. Okay, so with that, I'm going to share with you, first of all, just this first clip from my conversation with Henry Sutter. He's retired, by the way. And um, let's hear what he has to say about his meeting with Tess Lerner. Go ahead, Louie. Take it away. 
This call is being recorded. Okay, you got me? Uh, yes, I think I've got you. Hopefully this will work. I should be in cell range. Anyway, I just wanted to see like what was what you were present to. I mean, I know that you had you had met her years ago and just kind of wondering about what that was like for you and and what your thoughts are now. 2012, um, we, we always, I worked in a rural area that was basically country and farms and ranches, and she was on this uh, really quiet road that goes nowhere, parked off the side of the road, and we always stop and check people, make sure they're okay and so forth, and I remember she was driving a little blue car, and uh, we stopped and asked if she needed help, she said she didn't. Then we started asking her why she was there. And, you know, she talked about she just doesn't like being around a lot of people. And then we wanted to make sure her well-being was good. So we asked, you know, some of the questions. Are you able to take care of yourself? Do you have food? Do you have water? Uh, because I w- want to see if she fit the criteria for us to take her and, and have her evaluated. But she didn't fit the criteria. She was, she answered all the questions right. She had food. She had money. Uh, she had everything. So, you know, we kind of took a liking to her. I saw her maybe two or three times over the next oh. few days. And um, my partner and I would go by, and then, you know, we always carry peanuts and water and stuff, and we give her a little stuff to eat. And, you know, she talked to us, and I tried to get stuff out of her. So I, to figure where she was from, because um, there was nothing in the computer about her that it was a missing person or anything. But I was able to ascertain where she came from, what city. And um, so I called the city, the police department, and started asking. I started asking oh, questions about her. Was it in I don't know what city was. Okay. Topanga, Topanga. And uh, I called and talked to someone at the police department. I told them what I had. And they were able to give me a phone number that I would, I got in touch with um, with her mother. Yes. That's how we uh, met each other. And uh, I really wanted to put her in, not into custody, but to have her checked out and and make sure everything was okay. But she, you know what? She was a really pretty, she was clean. She even played the guitar or ukulele for me and my partner, you know, and we'd go by and check on her. And one day we went there, she was gone. So that was Henry Sutter. That's kind of the beginning of my, my conversation with him. And I get emotional just just hearing him talk because it really brings Tess to light. I can really see where she's at. If you if you haven't yet been to the website Girl with the Blue Ukulele or Ukulele, um, there's a few videos that we have up on the site with some pictures of Tess and um, a car that looked like hers, and so you can kind of see visually what what's been happening and what we're what we're looking at 
And just so you know, if you're, you know, this is not, if you're listening for the first time, this is not the normal way I do my show. Normally it's all dreams and all metaphysical stuff. And this is, this is a departure from that, but I'm really wanting to bring you as much information about her so that you can dream about her. So you can put yourself maybe in her shoes and try to understand why somebody would leave and where she would go. I I think to know someone is to love them. And if we love them, they reveal their secrets to us, whether we know them in person, physically or metaphysically. So to me, I feel like to know Tess is to love her. And, and the more I connect with her, the more I feel like I'm getting insight into her and could just be um, delusion. But I do have a sense that she is in Santa Cruz, as, as you'll hear more from Henry, Henry Sutter. In the meantime, I'm going to play another clip from him. But let me read you a little piece just so you can also get a little more insight. This is from Tess's book, Crying in Public. This is a book of her poetry. This comes. This is the first piece in her book. And so here's a little taste of this woman's talent. A woman once wondered where to begin. The animals and the children and the hopeless and the homeless. And then there's this, she said, lifting a petal to her lips and noticing its wetness. A tear dripped and she thought, how to express this? in a tree, in a breeze that rattled the leaves, with the chirping of the birds and the shades being changed by the passing away and fading in sun. There's no way to say how it hits the viscera about the waves in the gut, how it makes of the worst a trivial portrait, indispensable to a scheme so chaotically perfect in a house full of people, glaring lights, banging music, loud laughter, empty words overlapping. She closed her eyes and hummed a sad song with a slight smile, sitting back as a sculpture. It's haunting. Her words are haunting. I think as we're, as I'm reading through some of the pieces her mother has let me read, she's given me access to a lot of random poetry and, and it's, but I think there, everything's kind of pointing in a direction. Um, this woman, Tess is incredibly insightful and talented and creative as I imagine you are. I imagine the listeners of this show and anybody who's drawn to unity is deep and insightful and sensitive and creative and may have also struggled with the more sensitive we become, the harder it is sometimes to be in this world. And yet we, we seek to build our spiritual muscles to be able to handle it. And sometimes it's, it's hard. It's not always easy being on this path. And we know it's a gift to be sensitive, but it's also, whew, it's hard sometimes to feel all of this. So let's hear what, what Henry Sutter has to say next about how he, how he sought to me in my conversation with him to go, he just went above and beyond the call of duty, he and his partner. So, so check this out. Go ahead, Louie, let's play the next clip. No, this was, this was before I reached the mother. Okay. Before. I really didn't get a hold of the mother till later. 
and she was gone already. And she had our, so she she was gone already, and then you reached out to the mother. And well, I was still searching for the mother while she was there, you know, making phone calls and this and that. And then uh, that's when I got Mrs. Lerner's number, but she was already gone. So and I kept no... looking for her at different places. Okay. Very near to the town of Pescadero. Okay. And, she, and the road she was on is very secluded. It runs along a creek, so there's water and stuff. Um, she was there uh, on this, and the name of the road was Gazos Creek, G A Z O S Creek, and uh, Creek. it's a safe place, but it's way out of the way. You got to know where you're going to get there. So that's interesting. So she, there was no missing person information out there. They had no missing person. No missing person, no person at risk, uh, all that. And she fit the criteria perfect as far as being normal. And we really wanted to, even though, because I talked about it uh, to my partner, I go, oh, I say we take her anyway. But you know what? You don't want to violate somebody's rights. But after she was gone and I found out she went missing, I, I felt bad that I didn't do it anyway. You know, you have the letter of the law, you got what's right. And yeah. uh, she was adamant she didn't want to go with us, but just, I tried to get her to voluntarily go with us, and I was going to take her car and park it at the store in town. I had permission to park it there, but she just refused. You know, she was very adamant, and she was very wow. articulate. And what did her? What was her? Her like mental state? Was she pleasant? Was she? No, she was, was she very pleasant. To- very no, pleasant. no, no. Only when, we, only when it came for us to take her, to have her checked out, make sure she was okay. Then she became, no, I'm not doing it. And she was very adamant. You know. Oh, wow. Very adamant. But other than that, she was a pleasure to talk to. She really was. She was a pl- what did you talk about? Where she was raised, where she went to school. Because I, she wouldn't give me any information. But after uh-huh. talking to her for probably 25, 30 minutes, I found out she was from that town you mentioned. That's when I started in. Okay. And I ran the license plate on her car. And by calling that office there, they were able to put me in touch with Mrs. Lerner. <sighs> okay. So what would you have done if you were him? It's so interesting, this having this point of view that I do where I'm getting to talk to these people who interacted with her way back then and and to hear the the regret for not having done more. But what what could you have done? You know, um, <laughs> the interesting thing, this is just a sidebar. Of course, I you know, this is this is my show. So I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on in my in my world kind of parallel. So you've heard me talk about my relationship with my sister, who my kind of ache with my sister is part of how I, I really related to Sharon's pain, even though it's very different. It's, you know, it's not the same as sister isn't the same as a daughter, but because of these conversations that I've been having 
uh, with people who really wish they could have done more and they can't because it's too late. I've actually, and even talking with the, with last week's constellation therapist who was on the show last week, I actually did reach out to my sister and had an incredible up and down, up and down, but ultimately an incredible connection with her. And she just moved. She just took off for Europe a couple days ago. And I'm, there's some part of me that feels like I, you know, I hope I see my sister again. I hope I see a lot of my sister again, but if I don't, I feel like I, because of this show and because of talking to people like Henry Sutter and, and also the astrologer who I can't wait to introduce to you in the next couple of weeks, these people that have said, if you have the chance to do more, do more because when it's too late, it's too late. So I, I'm, I hope that you all are getting some of the healing that I'm getting in following this process, because this isn't just about Tess and Sharon. This is also about you and the lost people in your life and your ability to re recover any lost parts of yourself. It's not too late while we're alive. There's always hope. And you know what, even on the other side, there's always hope. The hope doesn't stop. So I'm going to read you another random piece out of crying in public. This is Tess's piece Tess's poetry book and as you're listening I'm hoping that you'll you'll just plug in your sensitivity your gifts and I'd love to hear from you about what your thoughts are what your dreams are if you've had any interesting dreams or thoughts or insights or insightful nudges that would give us some perhaps the next nudge about where Tess might be the number to call is 816-251-3555 okay so this piece is just goes like this it's much to say I can't go on without you that without the taste of your spark to set me off I feel a little lost though far from hopeless I do my best with your sense freshly sounding in my fingers. Nevertheless, some refreshing bursts have been born in your absence. Yes, this supposed dependence is just at the tips and yields to a bit of initiative, resistance, grip, has exaggerated emphasis, which resigned abidance will soon diminish. And can't we reside here and here? At the same time, senses spreading out to capture each instant and release simultaneously, or at least almost nearly, while a body's parts engaged. But that's crazy, eh? It takes mastery of a kind akin to harmonic singing, two notes at a time from one larynx. Lay the seed and you'll have a tree to climb in a century. If you just wait, whoo, I've got chills. That's from crying in public. That's Tess Lerner's book. So you getting any clues and as to her character, as to her persona, as to this, this being, I want to just say, by the way, in that this, this piece, Tess did have a, a five year long relationship, very intense Romeo and Juliet esque type of relationship with a boyfriend who has, um, I believe, agreed to let me interview him 
to hopefully reveal some more clues, some more insights. So that's coming up. So bringing us into the next, let's see, bringing us into, actually, let me see if I'm going to do this. We'll Maybe we'll save this for um, the other side of the break. What Henry Sutter is asking about in this next clip is, is his, he's, he's confounded about why, why someone would leave their car with everything in it. So even homeless people have, have stuff that they like, even the stuff that fits in a shopping cart, you know, it's like, it's like their stuff. You don't just walk away from your stuff. And she had a car full of, of her clothes, her shoes, her, her belongings, her songs, even her writing that was so precious to her, her checkbooks, her, her wallet, her keys, her phone, all of that left behind. And he can't quite make out why. And it's interesting. I get mixed messages from him. And I, and I I think I imagine that, that some of you may be feeling like, well, maybe something really bad happened to her and, and she was taken and she was killed or, the fact that her blue ukulele ukulele went missing, you know, it's, it's it's confounding. So in just a moment, we're going to hear the next clip from Henry. But I want to invite you all to go to my website, which is kellysullivanwalden.com. Scroll down about halfway down the page, and there you will see a banner that says Girl with the Blue Ukulele. Click there, and you can see the videos that we have We've got interview with her mother, with her stepfather, and kind of an overview of the story. And you you can either go to girlwiththeblueukulele.com or thegirlwiththeblueukulele.com. Those websites should be working. I'm not sure if they're up yet. If But when in doubt, go to kellysullivanwalden.com and you'll be able to see that. So as soon as we come back from this quick break, you're going to hear more from Detective Henry Sutter. And I'm going to share with you a little psychic insight that we just received about searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show, where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. This is Kelly Sullivan Walden, and this is a special series we're doing called Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. This is episode three today, and I've been playing 
um, some of my interview with Detective Henry Sutter, and he was the last known person to have seen and talked to Tess Lerner, who now goes by, we believe, goes by Satya. And um, I let's see, we've got a lot more to share with you, but let's take your call. By the way, if anybody has a question about their dreams and if you've got any thoughts or questions about Tess or Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele, don't hesitate to call in the numbers 816-251-3555. So we've got Leilani. Thank you for being patient, Leilani. What's on your heart today, honey? Hello. So lovely to be with you. And uh, it's so amazing that you're offering this for Satya and her mother and her family. Mm, you know, there's you. a lot here. Uh, I'm curious about her her real father. Oh yeah, I know. Me too. I I know a little bit about him. I know that. Um, let me see. What do I know? I know that they. Uh, this is all according to the mom. So Sharon is the mm-hmm. one that I've been talking to primarily. So there's always two sides to every story. Um, she doesn't go into the drama with him, but I know when people get divorced, it's usually not because they're getting along so great. So they were divorced when Tess was about four or five, I believe. And okay. they, I know that she, she said that she had a decent relationship with her dad. She wouldn't say, she wouldn't characterize it as close. I think it was strained. Mostly she was like a mama's girl. Um, mm-hmm. from what I know from Sharon, she said that when Tess, when, when Sharon would have to go to work, Tess would cry, like would not, was, would be inconsolable. Mm. And when, when mm. finally Sharon would have to peel herself away, the only way Tess could come to relative peace with her mom leaving was for her to get really angry at her. And then, so she mm. was, so when the dad would come and go, she was a little bit more aloof about the dad, even though she would also cry when he would leave she Sharon said that she felt like she was putting on an act for him, that it wasn't true, that she didn't really miss him. Um, but later in life, like towards the end before she left, he was in her life. He was supportive in many ways financially. Tess worked as a yoga instructor, but that was barely, barely enough to cover her bills. So she relied on her, her family to support her in many ways. And her dad was supportive. He had a, I think a guest house for her to stay in. There was multiple places she could have stayed, but that's the extent of it. But I am one of the, one of the people on my list of people to interview is the dad. I want to, I want, I feel like you're right. There's more information there. <laughs> so what else was well, on your and heart? I, did, I was able to listen to last week's show, Family Constellations, and I've actually participated in that. And I, and I mm. found it very healing. Uh, What I'll share briefly is, you know, a lot of souls incarnate to this realm and they have a very, very hard time. I'm, I was one of those souls and I just, nature felt more at home than being with humans. And especially, you know, then we add in family dynamics such as divorce and abandonment and heartbreak from a boyfriend. And uh, so there's a lot there to unravel and she may be a star child she may be from another galaxy this could be her first time in a human body on earth school mm. also i wanted to put out there 
to see if the mother would be open to like a past life regression. Uh, we incarnate here on Earth School with our soul pods. And we know those souls from other lifetimes, and it doesn't have to be in this school. And I'm actually a past life regression therapist. But also, you know, star children, rainbow children, indigo children, these, these, these souls incarnating now, they have less veils than previous generations. They see more. Sometimes they see beings. They can read people's minds. Mm-hmm. They see the karma being passed down. And karma just means action. It's not punishment. But they see the karma being passed down generationally. And they often just want to leave this realm. And I wanted to share also, years ago, I went to the Amazon in Peru to do some sacred medicine and a yoga retreat. And I met a young woman and it was her first time on earth. Mm. And she, she was, I think in her early twenties and she was having a horrible, horrible time. And she Mm. actually had to go back and live with her mom to kind of ground back in her body and accept the fact that she chose to be here now and that sort of thing. So, wow. My heart goes out to the mother, and there's a lot here, you know. Abandonment is not an easy mm. wound to be with, you know. Um, yeah. The father abandoned her, not that mm-hmm. he did anything wrong. There was a soul contract there, and then, you know, who knows what went on with the boyfriend. And Yeah, yeah. so wow. it sounds like she's super sensitive, and she's very creative, and she's... Uh, Yeah, she yeah. could just want to be checking out from this <laughs> matrix that's gotten a little crazy, you know? Exactly, exactly. I remember talking to a woman years ago who said, I hate people. I don't trust anybody. I trust nature mm-hmm. and I trust animals. That's it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like this is that that would be probably something Tess would say. Um, but God, mm. I really appreciate your feedback and I, and I appreciate you relating to her and also offering the past life regression. I'm, I will run mm-hmm. that by Sharon and um, that's very generous. This is exactly what I want to do with this show is open up the floodgates for people who have gifts that they can bring because it's, who knows if we can shower Sharon on behalf of the whole family and on behalf of Tess with all these healing modalities, then wouldn't she, it seems like if I was her missing daughter, I would feel that. I would feel that, that cleansed aura and I'd be attracted to it. I'd, I'd maybe want to come back or at least to just check in and say, I'm, I'm okay, or I need help or here I am, whether I'm on the other side or not. So it feels like all of these things, these gifts and talents that people have, bring them on. Um, I think the more the merrier. So thank you so much, so much for that. So follow up with me after about how we, how we can do that. And um, I think you're right about the crystal, crystal child, or you know, mm-hmm. for sure, indigo plus, where there's just so much feeling. And I mean, yeah. So let's. I want to play a little bit more and see what you think about this next clip from Henry Sutter. I think just energetically because he was connected with her physically. 
you might be able to pick up a few more clues. So go ahead, Louie. This is kind of about why she would want to live in her car and why she would want to abandon her car. So what did you, did you make any assumptions about or hypotheses about why somebody like her would, would be living in her car? You know what? We deal with so many homeless people living out of their car. She just sure. didn't want to be around people anymore. You know, she she just didn't want to be around people anymore. That's pretty much what she said. And she, and, uh, she needed to... Uh, no, no, no. She wasn't abused or anything like that. You could tell she had maybe some mental health stuff, but she didn't... I mean, she was very articulate, had food, had water was able to care for herself. She had all that. But still, I was concerned that's why I did the search for her, her mom. I should have I should have taken her to the hospital. Well, that's what the, the psychologist would uh, uh, interview her and talk to her. And if she, she didn't have that criteria, though, of wanting to harm herself or anything. So the criteria uh -huh. is harm yourself, harm to others, or unable to care for yourself. Well, she ah. didn't fit any of those. Right. But sometimes you know in your head, you should do it anyway. And my partner and I were gonna do it, but then she was, you know, then she was gone. And we saw her probably over a, a four day period. Okay. And even some of the ranchers that were down there, you know, cause we, the ranchers were a lot of help. And they kept oh. an eye out for her too, make sure she was okay. Wow. And it seems like such a yeah. sweet place that she landed in, like people, so many people caring about this stranger. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Instead of being suspect, <laughs> instead of treating her like, like, what the hell is she doing here? It's kind of like, let's, this poor thing, let's take care of her. Yeah, I can still see her. She was a very petite. She was thin, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, she had food and water in her car, and we even gave her stuff, you know, little, yeah. uh, like, trail mix stuff. Yeah. She, my partner wow. gave her a great big bag of trail mix. I remember it was, like, something he got from Costco. You know, it was probably, oh. like, two pounds he gave it to her. And she didn't want to take it, but we made her, he made her take it. But, uh, yeah. So what do you think happened to her? Like what in like if in your mind, I mean you've had years to, you know, contemplate it every once in a while. I'm sure you've had other things in your mind but but her, but yeah. when you think about her, yeah. what do you what do you where do you think she's at? Well, once she disappeared and we found out her mother called me that they found the car in Santa Cruz. I called someone in Santa Cruz that worked the case uh, yeah. with the car. And um uh, they had talked to someone in a homeless shelter. They're in Santa Cruz. Okay. They have a pretty big homeless population there. They swear yeah. that they saw her at the homeless shelter. You know, really? but she didn't stay. She didn't stay in the homeless shelter, but she was there maybe to eat or, yeah. you know, have a meal or something. And that's the last okay. I heard about. It. Okay. Wow. So how's all that landing on you? Getting some more insight. So there was, so she was seen in a homeless shelter. In fact, 
someone was just telling me, oh, actually it was my stepdaughter who was, she works for the um, police museum in Los Angeles and they had an event and there was a young woman, she said that actually looked like Tess. So it's important, I think, for all of you to see what she looks like. Go to the website so you can, you can see her. And oh my goodness, speaking of see her, I see Denise on the line. Haven't talked to you in a minute. Denise, thanks for calling in. What's on your heart yeah. today? What are you thinking about just, all this craziness? I don't even know who the guest is. It looked like he might be some type of, um, is he some type of medium or something? I just. Oh, know, no, I this is Henry Sutter. On. He's the detective. He was the. Um, oh, doc, okay. Um, he was the detective who was on the case. Um, in Sound in, in, back in 2012. Oh, okay. He, he wanna... was the last recorded person to have talked to Tess or to seen her. her. Okay, so your show today is centered on that. I don't want to. Well, yeah. So I'm bring. I'm asking people to share any dream they have because I think the dreams sometimes can lead us to clues. And we're also we're doing both things at the same time. I'm sharing about the girl with the blue ukulele who's missing, and also opening up the floodgates to dreams and insights. So you can take. So we can talk about a personal dream of yours, just like last okay. time. You can. We can look at it how it how it might relate to what's going on. I think it all comes okay. together. So tell me what's on your heart. Okay. Today. Yeah, mine are kind of you know choppy here lately. I don't know why. So I can I usually have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But mm-hmm. you know this one is very very short and sweet. Was at some type of obstacle type of course, something mm-hmm. athletic, something mm-hmm. athletic, and and the person ahead of me. And I even remember the number got like an 89. Don't tell, I'll ask you what that is. Her, his or her score was 89. But I went and did it, and I didn't do, I did 70-something. And I was mm. obsessed with, in the dream about wanting to redo it because I mm. wanted to beat that person. But the dream <laughs> ended before I got a chance to make my score equal or better than theirs. End of dream. Bottom line. <laughs> I I can interpret it. Uh, I feel like uh, this might not be good. You know, I, I want to be you so yeah, bad. So let me try to be you for five seconds. Oh, come on. I see it more as, do I not feel good about something? Mm. Or am I just a real courageous type of person and just ambitious? And it was a positive dream that, hell, you want to do your best and you want to be on top. I want to be number one. Yeah. So I'm trying to be Ooh. the next person. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm. Okay. So if it were my dream, I'd think, you know, there's a lot of us right now It's because if people are listening to this in real time, the Olympics are going on and we've got that, whether Mm -hmm. we're watching it every day, we, it's in the culture, it's in the zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. it's around us. So I think that's probably informing our dreams in, in some way, shape or form. And we're feeling like maybe it is kind of activating and stimulating the part of us that wants to be our personal best. Mm. And in a, in a dream, everyone's us. So the person who does better than us, who scores better than us might be a part of us that is maybe our future self. Uh, I would, mm. I would think of it as the part of me that's maybe even a bit more competent or a bit more competitive. And so this is activating that part of me that wants to strive more. It's like, this is a really silly analogy, but I heard an interview with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger 
and when they they were always up for the same roles they were both up for not rocky but they were up for terminator mm. they were both up for rambo and both of them said that if it wasn't for the other person they both wouldn't have been in as good a shape they oh. wouldn't have strived more because they always knowing that that other person was right behind nipping right. nipping at their heels made them push yeah. a little bit further <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, very good, Kelly. Very good. Very good. You did well. Yes. Oh, and I, yeah, I can and let's see. I can if feel we can, that. Go ahead. Say, go ahead, Denise. What'd you say? No, you go ahead. I can feel that when you said it. What's going on mm. in my life? I can see. But I can feel what you're saying. I, I feel like okay. What can I do better? How can I be better than Kelly? How can I be better than so and so? I see what you're saying. Not in a selfish sense. But in, in a good sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because really, ultimately, I love the saying that the we're really in competition with ourselves. With our, we always want to be. Right. Our, we're, we we want to be better than the than the version of ourselves we were yesterday, and that's the best one to be in competition with because that's the mm. you know it's like can I just be a little bit of a better, stronger? Can I jump a little higher than I did yesterday? Can mm. I run one more lap mm. than I did yesterday? you know, do a little bit better than my personal best yesterday. And, um, and I think to tie it into the theme about even trying to find this girl, this missing person in some way, I feel like it's an obstacle course. It's, it is about athletics. Yeah. And because the obvious hurdles are really high, there's, it's hard to find a needle in a haystack. It's hard to do that. And yes, if, we, if we're at our at our edge, at our personal best, we we can think about the people who are really skilled, maybe more skilled than ourselves, and call mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. To, to... I like what you're saying. I, I I receive what you're saying. Wow, that's deep, deep, oh. Kelly, deep. You knocked it out the park. Thanks, like Denise. And I'm so glad <laughs> that you called in today because I want you. I want you, and I want everyone to know that this show. I'm not losing the, the the through line of dreams at all, even though for a period of time, this series is going to be focusing on shining a light on this missing girl and not just one physical person, but it's the aspect of ourselves that's gone missing. I believe that for many I of us, see. Denise, yes. this is a sensitive aspect of self. And as um, Leilani Love, who's on hold right now, who's who was just talking earlier, she was talking about how it's hard to be in this world if you're with those sensitivities, with that part of us that feels everything. And and yet we need to bring that in because what world is it to, to live here and not feel? We want to be able to have our ability to feel and connect with each other and yet make it a make it a world that we that's habitable for us. Yeah, and the, the, the last time I called, remember I was crying. Remember the last yeah. time I called, I was I was in bad shape, man. No, I wouldn't remember say I, you were in bad shape. I would say you were accessing that sensitive girl part of you that yeah. is precious and that's valuable, and we need that part. So don't dismiss it. It's easy to say, oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have had that, or oh no, it was a mess. But it's beautiful. I think it's all a beautiful mess, and I feel honored. For one, Denise, that you would share that with me. So thank you. And I you. feel honored to have shared it with you. Yeah, now, so keep, how about that? I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you on while we play the next okay. clip. Love to hear what you all think. So, Louie, actually play the next two in a row, so we can hopefully get them both mm. in. Oh, I don't know if we can. Mm. At least play the play the next one. 
also a homeless shelter in Santa Cruz. Yes, yes. And so, because there's so many homeless people in Santa Cruz, do you think she just became one of them, or? Um, well, she abandoned her car, so, and her car ran. It's not that her car didn't run, it was in good shape. Um, I don't know. I don't know what caused her to walk away from her car. Her car was found in a rural area, not too far from the beach. So who knows what she did? There was no signs of foul play with the car or anything. As I understand, her dad went and got the car. Yeah. I think her mom was there, too. Um, so when she played the ukulele, she had a blue ukulele. Um, how did that come about that she played a song for you? Did she just, did she ask? Did you notice it? Or I'm just curious about how, oh, that, saw the, how that came about. We saw the ukulele in the car and we asked her about it. She goes, well, I sing. And I go, could you sing us a song? And oh. it was kind of like it. And, and she did. And you know what? She sounded really beautiful. She sounded really good. And I could still see her leaning against, in my head, I, leaning against the car, her car door open, you know, she's off the side of the road, you know, in a, like a parking area, uh, pull out, and she's playing her ukulele, and she had a blue dress on, she had short brown hair, uh, but even my partner and I looked at her and go, wow, she sounds good, you know? Wow. So was we, it a song? We, like, was it a song that you recognized, or was it like an original song? No, was it, it was something from her. Something from her. Something it, that she wrote. Do you remember if it was it like sad or happy, or do you remember the tone? I'm just, I'm just trying to get inside that memory. It, it wasn't a happy song. Um, uh-huh. I, I can't say happy where you get all jazzed up. It was, right. Uh, trying to it find the word, but it wasn't sad, and it was it was a soft song, you know. Okay. She was. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what some of the words were, but no, uh, I forget. I'm 70 now, and I forget a lot of things now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but, wow. Well, that's that, that's a long time ago to remember an original song. It's just time, you know. It's a lot. Yeah. Wow, wow, well, that, that that really touches me that she got out of the car and she played that for you guys and that you were such a lovely audience for her. That must have been a happy moment for her to get to share something like that with yeah. you. Yeah, wow. and they still have no idea where she went or if she's alive, you know? Right. Uh, so do you, do, in your, do you have a hunch whether you think she's still with us or or not i don't think she would have left the car on her own (sighs) all right so this is this has been episode three of searching for sacha the girl with the blue ukulele and um i just think it's an interesting thing and denise and leilani i'm opening up oh okay um I think I'm opening up Leilani's line. I think I accidentally hung up on Denise. Sorry, Denise, call back in if you want. We only have a minute here anyway. But I just think it's an interesting phenomenon that this this young woman thought that really nobody would care if she left. Like she would slip away and it would be fine. Everybody would be better off. And the truth is, is, is people aren't better off. People are, each each one of us matters more than we could ever fathom. I, I wonder if Tess 
or Satya is listening to this, if she if she's getting kind of getting the clue that how much people love her and miss her. And even these people that were random helpers that she met along her way were really struck by her and really touched by her. Don't you think, Leilani, is that something that, I don't know, that's something that I'm hearing. What about you? Yes. And honestly, part of the human incarnation, and I've seen it in my travels all over the world, is we long to be loved and accepted for who we are. Yeah. As an outlander, as a Mm. kind of way shower, I had to really embrace and love those aspects of myself that weren't the, quote, norm. Mm. Yeah, I was hugging trees long ago and talking to invisible beings and Mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was from here and I didn't have a mother who embraced that. Uh, Mm. So this realm can be very, very intense for sensitive, empathic souls, creative. And again, when there's abandonment and heartbreak, it's hard. It's hard to find our tribe. It's hard to understand, okay, so what am I doing here? Why am I here? What, What is this? And then also I wanted to share briefly We only have a second before we go to... If her mom could sit in meditation and talk to her soul, Mm -hmm. she might get guidance more. You know, speaking of that, that's what we're going to be focusing on on next next week's show. We've got somebody who's on. And Leilani, it's great to know that you can do this too. But we're going to be learning about this from my guest that I have on next week that's going to be teaching us all how to have deep soul conversations so you don't have to wait till the person physically is with you. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Ask Dr. Dream Show special special show um, called Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. Thank you for listening. Dream on it and share with us next week what you dream about. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.